Welcome back to The People Show, two-hour edition for the next two weeks. PDO Cast taking some much-earned time off. Coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. If you missed anything in the first hour, talk NFL Free Agency, talk to Phil Giuseppe signing a new deal, also talk to Brendan Batchelor. Sean Gentili will join us in just a bit. Also, we will do the billboard. And we'll announce our winner for Snoop Dogg tickets. Big shout out to Melinda picking up tickets. Congrats, Melinda. Have fun. Should be a good concert. Uh, Sean Gentili uh, joining us now as he's on the line from the NHL GM meetings. If you don't follow him already, uh, do so. At Sean Gentili, NHL writer for The Athletic. Uh, Sean, how are you? Fellas, how are we doing? What's going uh, on? We are doing fantastic. Uh, sunny Florida is where the GMs are gathering. And I'll pose this to you because they're, they're debating a lot of things, uh, including mm-hmm. more reviews. Do we need more reviews, Sean? Oh, man. Bill Daly like, really snuck that one in on us when we, when we were talking to him after after today's session. And there were some questions about some other stuff, and he just sort of dropped like, oh, by the way, we're looking at we're looking at expanding, expanding the uh, the the coaches challenge things to now include you know potentially uh, puck over the glass calls, see whether whether or not they're legit, high sticks on teammates. I think those are the two things that he mentioned specifically. So yeah, that was um, you know you have an idea. I think typically how this goes is like we all have an idea of what they're going to talk about. We know it's going to be on the docket, but that was one that you know for whatever reason I think I, I think you guys kind of implied it. You know for just not something you think about because there's already so much replay in, in the in the games at large that it's yeah not that doesn't seem like it's something that that would be or should be much of a consideration. But here we are. Is there any way you could think of uh, kind of fixing the review process? Because when I when I look at it, the the easy solution seems to be like enforcing a time limit on how long reviews yeah. can go. But is there any other solution you can see? it's either time limit or just abolish it entirely. Like I'm surprised, you know, even that that I feel that way, honestly, like five years ago, 10 years ago, any sport, football, like whatever, football, baseball, hoops, whatever, I would have said like, yeah, just take the time to get it right. Right. But um, we've seen that in practice across sports over the last however many years. And clearly that's, that's not the best course of action. It makes games unbearable uh, to to watch at times. So yeah, I'm I'm in favor of just canning it generally across sports, you know. But yeah, honestly, but to you know, I think the more feasible thing, especially since this is a door that's been open and it's tough to go back on stuff like that, is absolutely to put a time limit on it because if you know it's not something you can see uh, in 30 seconds or whatever, then then I it's then odds are good that it's not something that 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 should be messed with one way or the other. So yeah, man, slap a time limit on it, but and 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 also stop expanding it. Like I've had it, I've had enough of it in in, in whatever sport we're talking about. Yeah, I'm pro getting it right, and you know mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm probably more patient than others, but I understand like hockey, especially more so than other sports, is a flow sport, right? Baseball, it's static. Basketball, there's a lot of whistles, right? Like you can take a second to try to make a call right, and there's general stoppages to the game. Where where I get a little concerned about the idea of going back is 
are we going to be grateful for human error yeah. again? And and that's the thing. It's like we were always quick to antagonize refs, and we still are, even when they with the benefit of technology. I just can't imagine the public and media going back and saying, "Well, yeah. we understand there's human error, so it's okay now." Yeah, I mean, it, like I'm sitting here saying, like, boy, it would be great if we could just unring this bell and, <laughs> and go back, but it's it's not an option. I, I think the move. You know, generally, whether it's a, whether it's hockey or, or any other sport, is the is the place time limits on it, or or limit the amount, maybe not even limit the amount that it's used, right? Because you you want to account for egregious mistakes. Like, like we should be able to eliminate that part of that part of human error. But it's just it's turned into a slippery slope, honestly. And and it's a and that sounds corny and it's a cliche, but it's also true. Like, I don't know how much college hoops either you guys watches, but like. The last five minutes of any college basketball game, right. it's, it's it's out of control with the, with the amount that you know with it, whether it's officials second guessing themselves or just over relying on it or or, or whatever. Like we've we've overcorrected, and I, I think something needs to be done, you know, about that. Not just in hockey, but in sports, sports at large. Because yeah, I'm in, I've said it earlier. Like I can't believe this is a view that I hold. If you'd have told me five years ago, I was just like get it right no matter how long it takes. But seeing that in practice is just, you know, push me way way far in the other direction. Uh, it is the People's Show. Bick Nazara, myself, Josh Elliott, Wolf, joined by the Athletics, Sean Gentili. Uh, one thing that is on the docket, uh, reportedly, at the GM meetings this week is uh, trade-related reasons being a uh, a hot topic. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. Like for for I think a lot of people, it just seemed like some players were held out of too many games for trade-related reasons. Where do you where do you sit on that uh, issue? I think what Bill Daly said today uh, is sort of in step with where I'm at it. Like he basically was like, yeah, that's not, I'm paraphrasing here, but he's basically like, yeah, that wasn't great. Like it raised some eyebrows. We'd never seen it, you know, maybe phrased that way or made that explicitly clear before, but at the same time, like this, this, this is the first time it's happened. Right. So I think, I think what the league's position is, is to is to say like all right let's see if this ha- let's let's see if we do this again in 2024 and maybe then it, it'll need to be addressed but I think you know and and I'm I'm inclined to agree with them here I think they're looking at it as you know it's that part of the deadline at least and w- with the overall action you know leading up to it is maybe maybe another another question entirely but that element you know with the trade related reasons. Uh, I, I think I think they're they're willing to look at that as kind of an anomaly right, right now, and I think I agree. These meetings uh, are, are designed, you know, to try to push everything forward, and, and we're having some some conversation about things that are being discussed. What do you think will actually have resolutions? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, the stuff we heard that was okay. So, so first off, the way this goes, there's three days of meeting. Mm-hmm. We're on day one right now it's breakout groups, right? You have like four or five guys per group who go in and hit all the, all the various topics that they're anticipating talking about. It doesn't actually get a whole lot of stuff proposed and it doesn't get a whole lot of stuff done. So, you know, we'll see what happens uh, over the course of the, of the next few days, but based on what we heard today and based on the kind of vibe that was, you know, circulating in the, in the very swanky estate and the, the, the very, the very swanky hotel that, you know, the the GMs have chosen here. Yeah, I, I don't know what, what exactly is going to get done. The one thing that seems like there is some momentum on based on what, what Daly said 
is, you know, protective skate guards and, right. and wrist guards, which is, you know, so it's, it's minimal, it's minuscule. And I think that's kind of, you know, the indicate, the indicator here that not a ton of huge stuff uh, is, is expected to be on the table. Maybe as, as far as, you know, if, if, if you track this stuff, this is maybe going to be one of the more minor uh, GM meetings of the, of the last of the last few years. One of the GMs in attendance, Daniel Briere, interim GM now in uh, Philly. What did you think about the uh, firing of Chuck Fletcher, and and what do you think of the outlook there for the Flyers with Briere at the helm, at least for for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I thought it was certainly a necessary move for Philly. I think when you look back at you know not just the trade deadline where he couldn't get anything for for JVR and I, and I know he tried to explain explain part of that you know whether you buy it or not is sort of your prerogative but I don't I think it's insane that he didn't <laughs> at least so just move him for anything right like he tried to make it seem like he didn't get a single valid offer and that's just I don't buy it right move him for a fourth round pick fifth round pick avoid looking negligent and I think that's you know what he what he failed to do I mean, the, the off season was just bonkers. You look at it, it, the assets that they sent to trade for Tony D'Angelo, and then the contract that they signed him to, and he, you know, rightfully is being scratched by John Tortorella. On and on and on, man. Like going back to the summer, this is just going and going back even the year before that. Just a pretty a pretty brutal, pretty brutal run for him, and and, and he deserved it, right? So Breer's here. I think he's set up for some amount of success because. Their off season kind of is what it is because of the work that Fletcher did, right? Like, there's a lot of, a lot of questionable contracts, a lot of stuff that I don't think people are necessarily anticipating that he moves. So if he does get the permanent tag, you know, gets gets the interim the interim tag removed, I think like I I, I think he he could be in for for a decently soft landing, and you know he's certainly learning on the job here. We saw we saw him circulating all all day and. He's going to talk tomorrow, so we'll we'll have a better idea of you know how he's feeling, what the vibes are, uh, whenever when, whenever we uh, meet up tomorrow afternoon. The, the the certainty in that spot has always been you know they're they're going for it, right? Like that's been the Philly model for so mm-hmm. many years. And it, obviously, we heard the comments this weekend uh, from Briere, and it feels like they're finally kind of taking this long-term approach. And I always just think of like, what's the best currency a, a GM or an exec can have? And it's probably patience from above, as always. Absolutely. It's patience and it's, and it's, you know, I think it's a, there's a sweet spot there because you want to have a plan, but you also want to have someone who's flexible enough to maybe deviate from the plan when it isn't working. Right? Sure. I think that's, and I think that that's, that's what, that's what Fletcher kind of didn't show. Like he, he said from the start, this is you know, from a year ago or whatever it was, you know, we're not trying to rebuild here. We're trying to, we're trying to reload. We're trying to rebuild on the fly. And that clearly wasn't, at any step of the process, it wasn't going to work out. It wasn't working out in the summer. It wasn't working out at the start of the year, and it wasn't working out working out at the, at, at the trade deadline. But he still stuck to it. He paid for it with his job. So I think finding that sweet spot, you know, between articulating a plan but also being flexible, is like a really desirable quality. And you know, hopefully, hopefully for people in Philly, that's that's something Breer has because you gotta you gotta be able to adjust if, if need be, but also stick to your guns and you know, believe in your vision and, and in the work of, you know, the, the, the front office that you build out there. Do you think it's easier for a GM to come into a job where they can, they can say, Hey, we're just trying to rebuild, trying to, trying to sell hope to a fan mm-hmm. base, as opposed to a GM coming into a team that might be trying to take the next step and be more competitive? I think so. I think it is. And I think that's something that we've seen, 
really across sports, right? Where if you were following a guy who's put who's put a front office or, or put a franchise in a spot where a teardown is necessary, a lot of times, fan, I mean, more often than not, fan bases are smart and they see that the path forward in, in nearly all instances is to rebuild and add draft assets and lose a bunch of games and and uh, and get better that way. Like fans generally understand that. Maybe now more so than they did ten years ago or fifteen years ago. And I think people get frustrated when, whenever that isn't the mode for a team that's clearly really too mediocre to win meaningful games, right? And I think there was a big appetite in Philly for that even before this disaster of a season that they kind of embarked upon. They, the vibe there from that from that fan base was like. If we're not going to be really good, we should start over and be really and be really bad for at least a little bit. And they and they refused organizationally to do that. So if you're Dan, if you're Danny Briere, and uh, and you have like maybe that that confidence and that carte blanche from ownership to do what needs to be done, you're you're in a great position for sure. Talking to Sean Gentilly here from the Athletic on the People's Show. I think, I think the last time we had you on the show, I think it was December, and I recall you and I discussing. Boy, that Eastern Conference playoff race looks awfully similar to what we saw last year, and it's like one team goes out and one team goes in, and yet here we are, uh, middle of March, and suddenly that bottom part of the Eastern Conference playoff race looks like a lot of fun. Now it's settled a little bit, and maybe the Islanders and Penguins are uh, starting to get back on track. Penguins are seven two and one in their last ten, but Man, like it feels like a lot of teams chomping at the bit, and some teams that are trying to take that next step in their build, while Washington's kind of fading away here. It's been a blast to watch. I'm I'm based in Pittsburgh, so I see a lot of Metro Division games. You know, it's a it's a division that I've covered a lot over the years. And man, yeah, yeah, like you you mix them in. You have you have the Atlantic teams in in the mix as well. I mean, the the funny thing is, for as for as entertaining as it as it's become, and for as many teams that is or there are like on the periphery of it like dude it, it's still what we talked about yeah months ago right it's it's the penguins and the islanders like in those in those spots so yeah like it, the the route that we're taking to get there is is a little bit more interesting than we thought it would be and you know we'll we'll see what happens down the stretch i'm just grateful for you know something to talk about when it comes to those spots because it didn't seem like it even as early as you know whatever, November or December or, or, or whenever it was the last time we spoke. So even if it is ultimately like the Islanders and the Penguins and there isn't that much change and that the Devils are kind of the only new team in, in that mix, I'll take it because, you know, we're getting meaningful games in March here and can't ask for much more than that. So, you know, because – like what led to this, right? And obviously, we talked about the Sabers and and they're making a jump. And I do believe that like you can get better as the season goes along, right? Like young players, especially after games thirty, do they start to make a jump? Say, okay, I can mm-hmm. understand what's going on here. So there's that part of it, or am I overrating that and saying and not acknowledging that like Pittsburgh and Washington, they're getting older too and they're fading away, allowing that gap to be closed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in Pittsburgh's case, it's just a it's a poor job of managing the bottom of the roster you know they had they had stretches where secondary scoring just completely completely abandoned them and that you know paired up with uh with the absence of Tristan Jari he was hurt it's as simple as that right they don't have the depth to make up for the starting goaltender being out and whenever that happened that's that's when they got in trouble the Islanders we always we've always known that scoring goals was going to was going to be an issue for them so, so so they have had issues there obviously adding Corvette was you know their attempt at fixing it but but on and on you know the sends the sends weren't quite ready, but the, but they've improved as the season has gone along. And uh, 
you know, all these teams have, have one thing or another. The caps, the caps seem like they've gotten old, right? Like they were old and old and hurt and then pulled the plug and, and have tried to add assets at the, at the deadline there to, to position themselves, you know, better for next season on and on. There's, there's been something with every team and it, what it kind of boils down to. And I know it's like, it sounds basic, I think, but, but it's true. Is that none of those teams are that good? Sure, <laughs> like Pittsburgh's yeah. not that good, and the Islanders aren't that good. All these teams that are in the mix, even the ones that have these spots, also have these like fatal flaws that have stopped them from going on a real run and taking control of the spot. And that's clearer now. It's certainly more clear with them than it was a few months ago. So yeah, you know, it's fun to watch. You know, I, I, I if those if those teams want to duke it out to see who gets by Boston and, and Carolina in the first round, like be my guest because, you know, that's probably what's going to happen, but it's, you know, it's, it's fun to watch no matter what. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. So it seems like they're all, they're all battling just to be destroyed by Boston or Carolina in the first round, but is there any, in any team in that range, whether it be Pittsburgh, the Islanders, uh, maybe throw Florida, Washington, Ottawa in there as well, that you think at least has more of a chance against a Boston or Carolina than the other teams do? Part of me wants to say Pittsburgh because they do – the guys at the top of the lineup, old mm-hmm. as they are, have been fantastic. Right? Like Krause and Malkin have done, have done their job. And I think Tristan Jarrett, if he's healthy, is, you know, top 10, top 12 goaltender in the league. He's been he's been really good when he's been in the lineup. The issue for him is that he misses too many games, right? So you look at them and you can see – you know, they have they, – they check a lot of boxes there. The issue is, it, is that, you know, if they end up in the second wild card, you know, they've gotten they've, – they've struggled with the Bruins, obviously, like, like, like anybody has. But there's also, like, no real – they've been, they've been as bad against Carolina as they've been against the Bruins. Like, they've just they've, – that team has their number so far this season, right? So, you know, you look at them, I think they have, you know, because of the goaltender, I think they have that trump card in a way that – in a way that, you know, maybe a team like the Panthers say doesn't, but you know, they've got, they've got problems too. And I, and the, and the Islanders, of course, the, the, the other one to, to throw in there because they have Soroka. He's Vesna caliber. He's been fantastic. You know, maybe he's getting outshined by, by Linus Olmark a bit of a, over, over the last uh, few weeks, but he, but that shouldn't be the case because he, he's outstanding. So you throw the Islanders in there, if they get any kind of offense, you know, Sorokin's going to give them a chance to win. So those are, those are the two teams. I, I think there's a reason those those teams are in the wild card spot in the first place, and I, I think they're the ones that have the bet have have at least maybe something something close to a puncher's chance to, you know, because it, because the, because of the goaltender situation for both of them. Hey, Sean, we appreciate it as always. Uh, get that tan going uh, down south and enjoy the rest of the GM meetings. <laughs> we'll see, man. Ninety <laughs> degrees Fahrenheit out there right now. I don't, I don't know if I can handle it. Cheers, man. Appreciate it as always. Take it easy, Sean Gentilly from the Athletic NHL coverage uh, at Sean Gentilly. If you're not already following him, the replay stuff is uh, like that was a surprise today. Yeah, you know what we need more review. And again, <laughs> I, I don't Way like to double down on, on the post or on the uh, during the intermissions. Sat's always like long, lengthy review, and, and we always have our complaints. I, I have less of an issue because I'm pro getting it right, but. I don't know if we need more. Yeah, I'd like, probably if we, if come we out start doing like delays of game and high sticking. It's it's, it's too it's much. Tough. Yeah, it's I'm tough. fine with those if it doesn't lead direct. And I guess maybe it does because you get a power play and then you have a chance to score. But if it doesn't lead directly to a goal, to me, mm-hmm. then I I don't know if it's necessarily lengthy review worthy. 
Uh, we did get a Tex Edge in Port Moody. The rugby replay process is the best. It goes to an on-field right. or off-field official immediately after the ref requests, and they respond with the answer in the referee's ear right away. Well, we see it in, in soccer too, right, where it's like the VAR ref yeah. will signal down to the ref, A, he's got to take the long jog all the way to the sideline, and then it's the in-play official who makes the decision. Yeah. And Which, I- like, Why? I, the, I don't the whole get that. Bo- the whole benefit is we have technology. Someone can see it while the game is still going and be like, you know what? We screwed one up. Yeah. Let's get it right. Whistle down. Done. Be like, yeah. hey, we're changing this call. If, if we want to talk about like one official has to make the call, then okay, replay is broken. Like that's a real problem. But if the officials, those who are determining the and enforcing the rules of the game are doing it and it's a team effort, they're the third team on the ice. Yeah, They can collectively come to a decision and be like, hey, we're changing your call. And what I would say for for hockey, as far as off-field officials, like if you're, let's say it's an offside, like have somebody upstairs, if they see it's offside, they go back and check off. And specifically it sure. results in a goal. Yeah. And then, well, what I'm going to say is like they know it's offside. And then if it results in a goal, you just get in the ref's ear on the ice and say, hey, that was offside. If it's not a goal, you just let play continue because obviously it didn't impact anything. So stuff like that could just speed things up very quickly. Delay of game calls. I like the idea of delaying the game to call delay of game penalties. We had to delay the game even more because you did. Now go and sit and think about it for two minutes. And we're going to review it from nine different angles for six different minutes for two minutes of power play. It kind of hit the net there. You're out of here. The gravitational force of the puck going off of the tip of the glass. Yeah. Or when it hits that camera and everyone's like, oh, yeah. Is that, does that count? I don't know. Uh, Bick Nazar and Josh Elliott Wolf here on The People Show. You can be part of it as always, 650-650. So Aiden McDonough signs. Uh, we pitched it by Brendan Batchelor as well. And I gave him a number that I pitched to you and Canberra as well in the pre-show. And you, and you guys were both aggressive because I started low and had to work my way up. Over under six and a half games for Aiden McDonough. I said over. Well, you started at like four I, and a I half. I started at, I think, three and a half, four yeah. and a half. And, and I had we, to work my way up. Yeah. So my, my number. Because both of you I like jumped is... out of your chairs. You're like, over. Where do I bet this right now? Yeah. I was like, whoa, yeah. calm down. We're just having a conversation. Uh, I said over. And I think it's going to be at seven. That's where he's going to end. So I, I would probably take the under at like four and a half. But, but I, I need to find more clarification on this but i do believe he can't go down to the ahl this not season. for the regular season yeah not for the regular season yeah so, so he'll be on the roster again i'm pretty sure that's true uh until april 13th so to me that's like like you're, he's already gonna be on the roster for the rest of the season why not here's take my a thing, look though. at him in that time who are you taking out that's my issue probably what i would do is phil D. giuseppe and you put, because look, we, we I think playing well. I think there's the playing same well concern. up the lineup. Sure, but who would you rather be playing well, Aiden McDonough or Phil DiGiuseppe? And that's not to say that McDonough's going mm-hmm. to go in and play well, but it's already a lost season. I want the guy who signed for longer to play. Well. <laughs> it's technically Fair signed enough. for longer. Technically um, a longer term deal. I would, and I think they have similar. Well, it's it's hard to know until we well, see McDonough, but as far as... The like idealized PDG, version of Aiden McDonough is a scorer. Yes. And PDG isn't fast. McDonough mm-hmm. isn't fast. I do think that putting 
someone who can score with JT Miller, the facilitator, mm-hmm. is a good move. I would just be stunned if Aiden McDonough goes from NCAA to, hey, even if it's nine minutes and we'll sprinkle in the wingers out elsewhere, I'd be stunned if Aiden McDonough gets minutes with JT Miller. Like well, regular the, minutes. The other part of it is where where else are you putting him? Because well, I think for him to succeed, you have to put him in a position to maybe score. I wonder if, if if it is PDG that comes out of the lineup, do they put Joshua there and now uh, McDonough can go somewhere else? The thing is, is like well, Kraftsoff would be a, a, another candidate to come out. He'd be kind of the obvious one if you weren't – like do you have more hope in Kraftsoff working out or McDonough working Kraftsoff. out? Kraftsoff. Exactly. So I would just rather have Kraftsoff in the lineup. And, but – Ergo the whole debate of this is a tough spot. Yeah. And – as I mentioned with Batch, it's like, hey, it's another forward that comes into this group. Another body. I could just see them rotating games. He's in, he's out, he's in, he's out. And that would get him around just over seven. And maybe he misses a couple in a row. I think he's going to be at seven. I'll take the under. I'll take the under, but we'll see. Uh, congratulations to him as well, signing a deal today to come to Vancouver, two-year entry-level deal, which includes this year. So it's uh, essentially a one in a 99-game contract, basically, for uh, Aiden McDonough, which is pretty cool. Good for him. Gets to uh, burn a year, and he's a little bit closer to free agency. All right. Uh, on the other side, uh, we'll do the billboard. And also, uh, Chicago Bear has been very active in the free agent market. I know there's a bet here on the People's Show about uh, the Chicago Bears. We'll get into that on the other side. Home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Final segment of the People Show. We'll leave at 4 o'clock, hand you over to Canuck Central, Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw, coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Aiden McDonough on the show? Aiden McDonough, Frank, Frank. Valley. Monday. Donnie? Uh, Donnie is tomorrow. There you go. All right. Shows you know what I know what's going on at Canuck Central. Well, usually. Usually you'd be right. Today oh, okay. was just different. Today was different. Man, Donnie got bumped for Aiden McDonough? Wow. Hey. <laughs> Had to make room. <laughs> it's a two-hour show. It's compact. <laughs> Tough roster decisions. We oh. went with the young guy. I don't know. That's funny. Uh, Vic Nazar, Josh Elliott Wolf, Ben behind the glass, Dom behind the glass as well. Uh, getting a text here that is uh, relevant to you guys, Dom and Josh. Are we already ready to declare or prepare to declare the Chicago Bears as the winners of this year's free agency and offseason. Day one into free agency, or the legal tampering period today, the Chicago Bears have already moved out of the first slot, the trade last week. Got a lot of picks. A lot of picks. DJ Moore. Very good. Good trade. They then today signed Tremaine Edmonds from the Buffalo Bills. Coverage linebacker. Mm-hmm. Four-year deal, a lot of money. And they signed Nate Davis as well, who, if you're rushing to uh, Google right now to look up Nate Davis, offensive lineman for the Tennessee Titans, but now 
is in Chicago. And they, uh, so Tremaine Edmonds kind of fills in for Roquan Smith. Sure. So to me, that's like a, a net neutral. I would rather have Smith. Yes. So, but I, I will say like that the Bears offseason has still been great. Improving. But yeah. we, like we do this every, every sport. On the first day, like transfer window opens, someone signs like, oh, they, hey, they're, they're better. Free agency opens, spend a lot of money, they're better. Big winners. Remember Ottawa Senators last year? Oh, my gosh. We they traded this. for Debrinkat. They're going to be so good. We do this in every sport. Like the headlines drive the hype, drive the analysis. And are, they're objectively better. The only like I don't care about winning on paper, though. I care about winning on the field. So cool that you made your team better. Are you are you going to win games? That's all that matters here. And are, are the Chicago Bears going to win games? Are you completely sold on Justin Fields yet? I really like Justin Fields, but but do you think he's like there yet? They're giving I mean? him the opportunity to be the guy. Mm-hmm. And I don't just mean like they're giving him snaps, but now they're signing offensive linemen. Gave him another receiver. Gave him a, a real, like, legit receiver. This is no, like, hey, let's trade for a guy and maybe he's something. This is, like, DJ Moore is a legit outside receiver. Yeah. I don't they know. They have a good running back in Khalil Herbert. They'll probably draft another one mm-hmm. or sign a vet. They got a lot of picks. Then they got more picks now. Mm-hmm. I would imagine they're going to draft an offensive lineman, so that's another body. So they're giving him the opportunity to be great. And it's, not, it's now on him. The organization is supporting Justin Fields. But, again, like winners in the offseason is all cool. I care if you're going to win at least eight games. Do you see them winning eight games, assuming they do what you just said? Because to me – oh, and mm-hmm. bear, keep in mind what their schedule looks like. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a – an easy schedule, especially well, if the NFC North, aside from the Lions, kind of take a step back. Sure. So we so we know they're going to play the Lions, they're going to play the Packers, and they're going to play uh, the Vikings, obviously, as well. Uh, slated on their schedule for next year as well. We, we don't know the order, obviously, but they're going to be playing the Falcons, uh, the Panthers, the Broncos, uh, the Raiders, the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Saints. So they play the NFC South and the AFC West, and they throw in the Browns and Commanders in there. Mm-hmm. Sounds like I'm winning this bet. You so, said top three. Top three yeah. in the like, NFC. Can they just get 500? Like, going over 500 would double, triple their win total. Sure. Getting nine wins would triple their win total. And They're to be top three, they would have to quadruple their win total. That's a big leap. Big leap. But have they won the offseason? Uh, I think they're... The early candidate to win it. Sure. I I think it's a very easy road for them to win it. It's always easy for a team that's at the bottom of the standings to be like, hey, we got better. You know what you do with cap space? You spend it. Yeah. And it's like, hey. They did it. Seattle Seahawks aren't aren't getting any winners and losers today because they're not spending any money. You know what's hard to do? What? Trade a first-round pick for that package that they did. First overall pick? Yeah. Sure. It's a good trade, really good trade. It's a really good trade. But then you also have to draft a bunch of players that will make an impact. And you have to hit on those. Sure. Like, But they also got DJ Moore. About, yeah. We're but, talking about process, which is fine. Like, again, the process in making that trade, great. But if you screw up and it doesn't look good at the end of it, 
do we come back and say, well, at least there were winners of the 2022 offseason, 2023 offseason? No. It, it. How does the process transition into results? And if these don't transition into, I th- I would say the bar is probably, for me, eight wins. If they get eight wins, and I, I haven't looked at whether, I, I don't think season win totals uh, are out yet per Vegas, but if they can get eight wins, like that's a really good season for, for the Chicago Bears. They, they were the worst team in the NFL last year. Eight wins is a huge jump up. Yeah. Making the playoffs, I'd be like, wow, good job. You made the playoffs and after it, being the worst team in the NFL. And this is why you will have to eat substantially more lasagna if I lose this bet. Well, yeah, but I, I'm not going to have to thing. eat any, so it's fine. It, it's all well to have a bet and everything like that. Do you like lasagna? Yeah. I don't think you're missing. I, you're, I don't I think, think you're missing the point. But here. it's not a big enough punishment. Huh? Family size lasagna in one sitting. No, I, I'm aware of the it's five the, pounds of the lasagna. Why is everyone lasagna? overlooking the amount of food? Because if you enjoy the food, five it's like pa- not that I, bad. Nobody enjoys five pounds of any food. Yeah. You like if I put five pounds of your favorite food in front of you, it might be, be lasagna. Like, to be honest, okay, I love lasagna. Have you but seen Man vs. Food? Pounds. Man versus food? Yeah, remember that TV show no. back in the day where he would go and do food, different food challenges. You'd have to eat like massive amounts of steak or burgers. It does not seem like something that would come by up the, on my Netflix queue. By <laughs> the end of that challenge, you're spent because you're so full of cheese and pasta and pasta sauce and sounds meat. delightful. No, I've hung, dude, I've hung out no. with Andrew Chiu. It sounds delightful. <laughs> no, this isn't a pleasant experience, despite what you and Randy Janda and the rest of the people think. We also said that if you don't finish it in one sitting, you then have to run three and a half kilometers immediately. Okay, that's up. a problem. Yeah, that's a problem. Because then it's but like, but now like out of spite, I just would finish it to not run. Yeah, well, that's but that's also a punishment. Sure, five pounds of food. the The hole in that punishment is that if after like ten Two minutes bites, you're like, like oh, I'd rather go run. Uh, Marcus and Gibson's. Uh, this one says uh, Lions are going to run away with the NFC North. That's coming from a lifelong Vikings fan as well. Torgy says it's the Lions division to lose. Uh, and Tr and Courtney says uh, there is no easy schedule in the NFL. Come on, that's. Fair. Like, in reference to other schedules. Yes. But we do this every season where it's like preseason, we're like, oh, that team's got a bad pass defense, while also recognizing that pass defense is volatile year to year. Yeah. And then by like week eight, we're like, oh, they had a good pass defense. So it's a fair point from Courtney as well. Unsigned 650, text. Five pounds of lasagna. By the end, you might hate lasagna. That is a huge risk. Yeah. Is that like the old uh, the old punishment uh, for, for people that would like smoke and be like, oh, I'm going to oh, make yeah. you smoke 10 packs. It's yeah. like, now I hate it. I don't know. I feel like I would be fine. Yeah, I, I might need a break from lasagna after that. But you I, guys have never seen me crush a large pizza just on my own, so I don't know. That's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same. You said it with the anger of of people that are like, "Can you raise kids?" Well, I have a dog. It's like, no, those are totally different worlds. <laughs> you said it with that same. level that, of anger. That is the analogy here. What? Raising a dog is a large pizza. Raising kids is a family-sized <laughs> lasagna. How do I even, like, first off, I'm not going to have to do it. They're not coming top three in the yeah. NFC. But this is a really safe bet. Like, you guys are making a big deal about this, but this is a really safe bet. And you could tell it's a safe bet because Dom was because like, Because you chose oh, something I'm, you love to eat. I'm just going to do four servings. If, if they don't, if they don't, if make it's an outlandish three. take like everyone thinks, I'm not going to be the one taking the I bigger risk. I feel like you should. 
It should be like the amount of of lasagna pieces should be in contrast to how many wins they miss out on the top three. Oh, I like that. What a wrinkle. So if they if they, so if they go with, four and twelve, you should have to eat eight pieces of lasagna. I agree with that. Because then there's made, a, Josh, no, no, we've no. already made our bet. But then there's a scale we've to how wrong you bet. are. We've yeah. already made our bet. But you could also come out of this ahead, because if they go if eleven they're one and five, out, then you only have to eat one piece of the lasagna. Then it's just like a, a reward. I'll stick it's to like the It's like a reward. Is, thanks. Hmm. I realize how hot the take is that they're going to finish top three. I couldn't pass up on the opportunity to maybe have you eat that much lasagna. <laughs> how much is four in relation to a family size? Four... <sighs> So it's, it's like, like four more pieces? No, no, no. it's just like four individual four. pieces of lasagna. Right, but like how many individual slices would a family size? If you oh. had to break it up. Um, That's a lot of research we I have would not say done. Like, I would say like 12. Oh, okay. That's a lot. But I could be wrong. It, it depends on the, the size of the zon, I guess. I'm not going to call it that again. Glenn and Richmond. I tried did, something that didn't work. <laughs> Define single sitting. I could crush a whole lasagna this week while watching 12 hours of March Madness and not leave the couch. I think you get like 90 minutes. Because you got to, like, I need time to get oh. through the whole thing. I'm not going to put a time limit on it. You take as long as you need. Okay, I'll be here for 12 hours. <laughs> That's a punishment in itself. Though. Just the Undertaker. Uh, five pounds of chicken wings is easy peasy. If you include the bones. Yeah, if you include the bones. Yeah. That's true. Five I, pounds of protein is a lot. Yeah, I was talking to Elon about this, and he was like, if I did two or three pounds of chicken wings, it's kind of easy because most of it is bone weight. Yeah. But lasagna is all uh, heavy. You've heard of meat sweats. Josh will have the lasagna sweats. Right here. The pasta sweats. There we go. Uh, all right. So Chicago Bears so far in the headlines. I don't know if they're winning the offseason. Who would you put above them, though? The let, 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 let the offseason play out a bit here. We're on. We're we're what seven hours into the offseason. We're like, oh, winners <laughs> and losers. Like, I let's mean, calm down there's a been little weeks bit. Weeks of trades and stuff. It's overreaction Monday. Yeah, we love doing that after like week one. Jets going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> let's slow down a little Dude, bit. If the Jets win the first week by a substantial score, there will be no stopping Dom for that week. Right? I, even this year, Dom was a uh, Dom was all over the Jets. We were seven and three. And then it all came tumbling. Seven down. and nine. Zach Wilson. What did he Eight have in him? The dog. Yeah, he got that, that dog. dog in him. No, <laughs> no, that no was, longer. That was Dom just like walking around these For offices. Different reasons, though. Okay. Yeah. Please don't whisper into the mic. That was creepy. That was creepy. All right. Let's get to uh, the billboard. Uh, over the past week, who have been uh, the best Canucks top ten? I'm trying to do this every Monday. Second time we've done this. Uh, so we had some debate. We're, we're doing a consensus view today between uh, myself and Josh. No. Uh, this is the first time you've had like a, on this show. an outside voice, hey? Correct. I mean, it's the second time you've done so, it. So, we kind of debated this. I'm I'm wavering on this, but I'm still going to stick with number 10. Guillaume Brisebois. And here's the reason. The penalty kill has gotten a lot better. At least as far as actual production. They've killed off some. They're scoring goals on them. He's blocked shots on the penalty kill. I agree Christian Lannan's a better player. And five on five, you certainly notice it, but we shouldn't ignore Yon Brisewa's PK contribution this last week into three Ws. I'm I was willing to sacrifice this, but I do think Christian Wolanin has had an overall bigger impact on the game in the last few games. Uh, Christian Wolanin will get an honorable mention. Yes, but he deserves it. 
the the direct PK ability should be uh, recognized for Guillaume Brisebois. All right, let's move on up. He was previously number five. Anthony Beauvillier coming at number nine. Still scoring. Yeah. Is this good or bad for Beauvillier? Obviously, it's I, th- I think being in the mix here for Anthony Beauvillier is good. If you're on that line, you better produce. Mm-hmm. That's the thing, too. But continues to show that he's a fit. Did we factor in the power play struggling enough for him? Well, Not that, that it's his he, fault. He went from five to nine. Right. But I would also say, like, some of his usage on the power plays declined. Mm-hmm. Because Brock has gone in there. It's not exactly like Brock did well. So he got his spot back, and we'll see how that continues. But I think going from 5 to 9 for Beauvillier feels right. He's yeah. still he's still in the 9 most important Canucks in the last week. Like, I wouldn't put Willan in over Beauvillier yeah. or Breezewell. Uh, by the way, text in yours, your top 10. You can make your case for some guys. Vasily Podkolzin at number 8 makes the list. Unranked last time. He's now in. Was he in the NHL last time? Because February 22nd was the last time he did this. I, I should have done research. Yeah. But, um, I'm going to say no. Yeah. So, first time he's had a chance to make it, and he did it. Mm-hmm. And then it's mainly due to his, like, he's just overall had a had a good impact on both ends of the game. Uh, and he, that, he had just come back. Right. And the, the line with Vitaly Kravtsov definitely helps his case. That's the thing. Like, it... it I don't want to say like a renewed player all of a sudden for uh, Vasily Podkolzin, but he just looks a bit more engaged and obviously getting credit from the head coach. All right, now we're getting – I feel like this was a tear break. Nils Oman comes in at number seven. Yeah. So he probably would have been lower if it weren't for – we had this debate pre-show yeah. whether or not he should be lower than Podkolzin. But then he had that last game against Ottawa where he made a very tangible effect on the win. And in a week, if you can help create one win, you That's huge. You get your spot higher up the billboard. But Colton's been smoother. But if you have a spike that, as you said, directly results in a W, I think you're comfortably ahead of a guy. So that's uh, Nils Oman. We'll do another tier break there. Dropping down from number two from the last time we did this, Quinn Hughes. It's kind Quinn of a big Hughes. drop. It sounds bad. It's tough. Oh, yeah, but it's, it's more of a credit of other guys maybe improving. They're on a four-game winning streak, so a lot of this is going to be jockeying for position of some guys that are playing well. Mm-hmm. But Quinn Hughes, the reason I, I didn't put him higher, I think the best compliment you can probably give him is he's playing a lot of minutes. But a lot of people are also like, why is he playing so many minutes? That's the thing. Um, and so, but do you factor that into like a billboard choice that he's playing too much? Right, that, but it's not like the production has skyrocketed right. to match I, the minutes. I guess I get what you And then that's why I said like the best compliment is probably like he's really taking on a real burden here for you right now. Mm-hmm. And man, he's been playing a lot. And the reason I have the guy next uh, up next ahead of him is because there has been production that follows, tied for the team lead in five on five scoring in the last week. In the last week, Dakota Joshua continues to build. Impressive week after impressive week. He was 10 last time we did this. Now at number five. Really good week for Dakota Joshua. You mentioned this. Do you Could you see him getting more of a shot up the lineup in the later half or later half of these games to end the year? I would mind. I really want to see him with a confident, competent center. Do you think JT Miller? Because they've tried it with JT Miller, and I don't think Miller was at the point he is now. Right now, yeah. So I think if you try it again, it you might have some, some success. Because next year, if Nils Oman takes some step, I'm really excited to see Dakota Joshua with two confident players next to him. Yeah. It, even if it's the fourth line, that could be an exciting player. Mm-hmm. 
and as it keeps producing and keeps showing up in key moments uh, and factoring on the PK as well, uh, Dakota Joshua coming at number five. The last four you might be able to predict, but we're not sure what order you have them in. Andre Kuzmenko in at number four. Started at number one here because he was scoring all those goals and pushing games to OT and all that sort of stuff. But that now was a fun it's, week. Yeah. But now there's the flair continues for Andre Kuzmenko. I know a lot of people showed up at the the signing uh, yesterday. And at Guilford Town Center. Keeps becoming more popular, Andre yeah. Kuzmenko. Uh, number four, though. I think that's warranted. And you'll see why it's warranted with the top three. But I, I don't know how you pick anyone other than these three guys. But, yeah, Kuzmenko is definitely – he's uh, – like, he hasn't been as good as he was those few weeks mm-hmm. ago, but he's still been the fourth best player on the team lately. Number three for me, Thatcher Demko, and it's only because Archer Silas played a game here. If Demko played all three and they won all three, he's probably number one because he's playing that good, yeah. but he only played the two games. But the fact that he played two games and he's this good, this high up this list, it's very indicative of how well he's been playing. Honestly, dude, when... He came back from injury. I was like, well, he's going to have a few bad games. Yeah. The Canucks are going to lose. He's going to shake off the rust, and then maybe they'll be good to end the year. Minute nope. one. He's amazing. My bad. <laughs> Minute one, that Dallas game. It was an onslaught, too. Yeah. And just pushed everything away like he was Matrix in the ne- or Neo in the Matrix. Yeah. It's just like, no. I was telling people, hey, don't even worry about the tank. Like, he's got he's to gotta get back into game shape. Turns uh, out I was wrong. Rager texting in. Number one, Dan Milstein. <laughs> two through ten, his clients. Fair enough. Uh, last two. Uh, number three, last time we did this, Elias Pettersson climbing up to number two. Climbs, but only one spot. I think you can make an argument for, for number, number one. one. Yeah. Um, but I would agree. Based on, like, especially a lot of this is based on expectation of the player, right? And A little bit. I, I would say so. I mean, we, we put, like... Breezeball on here because he's just like, but that's based on expectation, right? But he's just like, like do you expect well, him though. to be the tenth best player? Can on the you team? name me nine better players or like who who do we leave off here? Like pure? No, I'm just talking like pure talent wise. Theor- like Breezeball theoretically, be- like Brock should be on the list. Yeah, but we're not. We're talking about like what they've done over the few games. Like Brock hasn't been noticeable. Sure, he's getting ice time, but he's not. But, getting noticeable. but what I'm saying is like Pedersen needs to be above and beyond what Pedersen usually is to be. Number one, unless it's a weak, 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 weak. The the problem, <laughs> the problem is, and I've I've got J T Miller number one coming up for number six. Yeah, is he's done it in so many different ways. Like the physicality is the big thing. Yeah. Obviously, scoring shorthanded. Obviously, Pedersen is too. But like he's there, shorthanded, winning draws, being physical, and he's not playing with Kuzmenko and Pavillier. That's, people, people, that's the thing. I've, I've got Miller a bit higher because his degree of difficulty is also a little bit tougher, too. People talk about his 5-on-5 five five scoring right now, um, and they bring it up as a, a as a way to, like, slight Miller, which I which I get. It's fair. But you look at his on-ice shooting percentage, it's the lowest on the team out of any regular players. Since is it like 3%? 5%? It's like 4% yeah. since Taka took over. And because he's playing with Phil DiGiuseppe and Brock Besser, who, look, they have upside, but are they playing well right now? Like, Phil... Giuseppe might be, but is Brock. And I just think Miller has been carrying his line more than Pedersen is also carrying his to an extent, but he has more help in Andre Kuzmenko. Bovillia, I would say, is a step above uh, Besser and Giuseppe as well, and that's why Miller gets uh, the number one spot. If you told me back in December, though, JT Miller would be number one on a billboard. Woo. 
be stunned. But uh, JT Miller, Patterson, Demko, Kuzmenko, Joshua Hughes, Nils Oman, but Colson Beauvillier, Breezebaugh this week's billboard. We'll do it again next Monday and see who improves after games versus Dallas, Zona. I got a text. Kings in Anaheim. Glenn in Richmond. Agree with most of your list, but a spot should have gone to everything everywhere all at once. Oh, because they won the Oscar last night. I didn't watch the Oscars. I actually watched the whole thing. Was there anything controversial? No. It was boring. I guess we'll save that for Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah to break out the uh, controversy. They'll do that on the way. Canucks Central, home of the Canucks, Sports Night 650.